Yes, sir. Here we are. Good news from California. Oh, the Sooners get another one. A little over an hour ago, the commitment uh, that we we thought was coming did happen. Eugene Brooks, the offensive lineman, 6'3", 320, out of Sierra Canyon in California, picks Oklahoma over Texas. Parker Thune, that brings the Sooners' commitment total to 16 now. They are uh, 15 overall in the team rankings in 247. They're 15 and on three. No update from Rivals yet. They were still at 20 with 15 commitments uh, last I checked. But the Sooners continue moving on up, and it's another nice get for Oklahoma. That it is, Steely. And I think prior to July, uh, around this time in June, we projected here on the program that the Sooners were in that 16 to 18 commit range by Mm -hmm. the end of July. And so here we are. Another decision coming next Monday from Michael Patterson-McDonald with the potential to be number 17 for Oklahoma. Obviously, you have the party at the Palace this weekend, and who knows, maybe you get a surprise commit or two out of that. Any way you slice it, a ton of momentum on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma right now. A big win for Bill Biedenboe to get a blue-chip kid out of Chatsworth, California. Generally not a place that the Sooners have made a tremendous presence in recent years on the recruiting trail, but Another Sooner coming from the Golden State. and It was interesting. I was talking to a source yesterday about the Brooks recruitment, obviously with the knowledge that uh, this was going to become public today, that he'd be headed to Oklahoma. And uh, what that source intoned was that throughout the process for Eugene Brooks, and it makes sense if you kind of recall the timeline on which the momentum in this recruitment really started to swing, you know who had a tremendous hand in this process was Devon Mitchell and his father Marco. They yeah. obviously have not been in – Devon hasn't been in California very long at all, but he wasted no time in building that connection with Eugene Brooks and making sure that he knew – and obviously you give a ton of cre- credit to Bill Biedenboe too, but there were a lot of folks in Oklahoma's corner that made Eugene B.J. Brooks feel at home in Norman, Oklahoma. Well, and you look at what has happened now with Oklahoma, you know, as you mentioned, going back to late June. Let's just start with July, all right? They're at 16 total now, moving on up in the team rankings nationally. Uh, shouldn't be too long before they're in the top 10. And then if you get, you know, David Stone and Winery and all of those guys, uh, there's a good chance you have another top five class. But just in July, you get now B.J. Brooks, you got Taylor Tatum, you got Devon Mitchell, you got Zion Raggins. You got Jaden Jackson. You go back to late June when you got Yvonne Carrion. You got Xavier Robinson. You got Wyatt Gilmore. You got James Nesta. You got Dozie Azukama. That is 10 total since like the 20th of June for Oklahoma. So about a 35, 36 day period uh, where the Sooners have just completely garnered tons of momentum. And, um, you know, for Oklahoma fans, they're hoping that's not going to stop. As you mentioned, Michael Patterson McDonald coming up. On Monday, expected to commit to Oklahoma. And then who knows? Uh, if, if this uh, timeline for williams Winery holds up first week, uh, you know, maybe at the end of the first week, around August 7th, August 8th, uh, for williams Winery, if he picks Oklahoma, then maybe Do- David Stone is the next domino after that. But right now, Parker, ton of momentum, clearly, for this Oklahoma recruiting class. They're moving on up like the Jeffersons. Yes, I stole that one from you, Steely. That's all right. Sorry. I like it when you take old references from old people. 
Oh, but man, it's, it, I mean, as you look ahead and we've kind of talked about this, but if you, if you're specifically confining the recruiting conversation to the offensive line, Oklahoma's in the driver's seat to get Josh Iasosa on August 14th. That's when the three-star offensive lineman from Santa Fe High School up in Edmond is announcing his commitment. So you get Grant Bricks back on campus this weekend. This is a pivotal, pivotal time for That's Oklahoma. Because, OUK State, Nebraska, right? And he's going to be visiting all three over the next five days. So it's go time for Bill Biedenboe to and close what on the, their uh, biggest, most highly regarded target. Kid from London, still a possibility for OU too? I mean, still a possibility, but the thing is, if Iasosa commits on August 14th and you're able to close out bricks, you don't really have an immediate need for a guy like Daniel Akinkubni. Yeah. Well, Oklahoma again gets the commitment from Eugene B.J. Brooks uh, a little over an hour ago, so 16 now in the class. And again, in the uh, 247 team rankings, uh, the Sooners are 15, 15, and on three. They were still at 20 in rivals again. They hadn't updated the commitment yet, so we'll see. Uh, they'll probably move up a spot or two, you would think, in rivals as well. So again, great recruiting news for the University of Oklahoma. We didn't talk about it. I, I, maybe you guys did. Uh, this kid that uh, got the offer from OU from Northwestern, uh, Brendan Zerberg. Yes, again, it's Zerbrug. Zerbrug, the six-four quarterback, and again he was a three-star. But we know uh, things aren't looking real good right now in the Northwestern athletic department. I mean, no, they are not. I think it's like Animal House at Northwestern, a fine academic institution, but there are a lot of shenanigans that apparently were going on at Northwestern. So he is. Uh, going to be out of there and the Sooners again they are they are wanting to get a second quarterback committed clearly in this class uh Samaj Jones picks Cincinnati Michael Hawkins they like quite a bit they always have but uh what is their uh philosophy now on uh, getting multiple quarterbacks in classes because you just don't know there is there a chance by the way that even Dylan Gabriel let's say Dylan Gabriel has a really solid year and then he actually comes back for another oh boy that, that that is the one thing that could throw an enormous wrench into that the would calculus. Be. That for would be the wrench. Now, it's also like there's just I I don't even want to dive into that because there are so many problems that that could create with how that room stacks up. But no, Brendan Zerbrug is going to be visiting Oklahoma beginning on Thursday, and look, the expectation from the OU side is they're going to flip that kid pretty expediently here. So, if he does end up in Oklahoma's class, which it looks like is the overwhelming likelihood at this point in time. Uh, I can say a few things about that. One, it does not say or indicate anything about how Oklahoma feels about Michael Hawkins. This is a move for depth. This is something that Oklahoma's been looking at for a while. They could have gotten the number one quarterback in the nation. They could have gotten Dylan Riola in the 2024 class, and they'd still be looking for a second QB because they want to be able to cultivate some depth in that room. Brendan Zerbrug, we did talk about him a little bit yesterday on Locked In. Really the perfect QB2 in a lot of ways because Oklahoma is easily the most prestigious offer that he has. So that offer is going to carry a lot of weight with a kid like that. But he's somebody that given his athletic potential and some of the natural physical giftings that he has is somebody that you can foresee contending for a starting spot three, four years down the road. Probably not right away. There's work to be done. Arm talent is pretty mediocre right now. But he's athletic with the ball in his hands, can run effectively, and has outstanding pocket awareness. So, again, you watch the tape. It's 
pretty evident that it's three-star tape. It's good, but not exceptional. But you do see him flash some tools uh, that, assuming he is developed and refined by whoever his quarterback coach the next level is, obviously in an ideal world, that's Jeff Lebby at the University of Oklahoma. But provided he's developed adequately by the coaches on staff at his eventual college of choice, he's somebody that could make some noise at the Power 5 level down the line. So is he going to be sold, though, like the Sooners were selling the quarterback situation recently uh, you know, when they ended up with Davis Bevel and General Booty because they were trying to sell Jackson Dart, they were trying to sell uh, Gary Bohannon, uh, Casey Thompson, guys like that. Look, we, we're looking for another quarterback, but basically they kind of knew what the situation was. Dylan Gabriel was going to be the guy unless they had an unbelievable camp. Well, Is this kid going to come in knowing that, look, we, we want you, but in, you know, unless he really improves, he's going to be a backup QB. It's easier to make that pitch to a high school kid True. than somebody who's got P5 starting experience. Because somebody like Casey Thompson or somebody like Gary Bohannon, who's got multiple years of starting experience under their belt at a P5 institution, especially if they have the alternative of going somewhere else and being the starter, they're not as willingly going to warm to the idea of going to be the backup at a place like Oklahoma. But with a kid like Brandon Zerbrug, you can be straight up with him. You can say, look, we like some of your tools. We like what you bring to the table. We're going to redshirt you. We're not going to rush you along. But two, three years down the road, we expect you to be making some noise on this depth chart and pushing some of the more experienced guys in that room in the quarterback stable for playing time. So it... I don't know if you really feel the crunch if you're somebody like Brandon Zerbo. You don't feel like you have to get on the field immediately. It's a lot easier to take a guy from the high school ranks and sell him on long-term development than it is with a guy that's in the transfer portal and already has his clock ticking in terms of eligibility. And has started before in the past, too, uh, at you know in college football. Uh, by the way, I only wish wish if the uh, Sooners get Brandon Zerbrug that he had played for Howard Schnellenberger. That would have been really fun. Brandon Zerberg. Brandon Zerberg. Anyway. By the way, a great recruiting story today. The Sooners land B.J. Brooks, the offensive lineman out of California. Again, 16 total commitments, but not as good as the greatest recruiting story of all time. When Barry Switzer paid a visit to the high school buys. Uh, committed to Texas A&M, and I'm sitting in my high school cafeteria, and there's 3,000 kids in my school, so there's 1,000 of us in, you know, in the cafeteria. And I'm looking across, and I see this, this, this cat walk in in a full-length mink coat. <laughs> and I take a... And I go, it, it can't be. It can't be. Because all the other coaches would come, and they'd pull me out of class and take me in. Here he comes, and he... He calls me out. Hey, where's Boss? Where's Boss? And I go, oh, no. No, no. And he's got the rings on. I know you want one of these. I know you want one of these. You don't get it at A&M. Oh, that's so good. I love the clothes. You ain't going to get it at A&M. <laughs> All right, there you go, the king and the boss. What a great pairing. What a great pairing. All right, our first hour sponsor, as always, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Let's say thank you to Tim Lasher and his company. They do a great job. Been in the metro area now for 16 years, doing great work on heating and air. 
uh, problems for people in the area and getting rave reviews. Tim Lasher, his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Let's break right here. Let's come back. Let's start firing it up on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3539, 405-651-3439. We are going to have fun with audio and chum the water a little bit today to get the Sooner Sharks reeled in. They're going to be very unhappy with some of these. But it'll be good stuff. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. We can always rush back from a break anytime. One of my favorite bands right there. Good stuff. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Ladies and gentlemen, great to have you with us. Let's get to our Ortho Central clip of the day. The Orange Bowl Boys. Are you uh, familiar with their podcast? The Orange Bowl Boys? The Orange Bowl Boys. It's a Miami Hurricanes podcast. I wasn't either until Tyler McComas gave me the audio. And they were not happy with Brent coming after Mario Cristobal. Here's what the Orange Bowl Boys had to say. The penis hat definitely goes on Brett Venable's hat. Head. Like, dude, what got, what got into his craw? Like, this dude loses at home or loses in the, in the rivalry game to Texas 49 to nothing as a defensive coach. And now he's come, goes, what, six and seven. Now he's coming out taking shots at Miami and uh, Colorado. You've heard the, uh, the expression, don't pull on Superman's cape. Don't tug on Superman's cape. That's like trying to tug on Superman's cape when you don't have any arms. Like what? Le- you don't even have legs to stand on. You don't, you're, you're, you're limbless <laughs> because you're six and seven. You didn't even score a single point against your rival. If you have balls, Brett, if you have, if you truly have balls, call out a big 12 school that you're about to play this year. Yeah, I just I, I can understand him bringing up Middle Tennessee State and he wants to take a shot and that's fine, whatever. But then you bring up the fact that that we lost forty five to three to FSU. You brought it up as if it, the shoe was on the other foot. You actually lost by a worse margin to your rival than we lost to ours. Oh, re- like are we going to do this? The Orange Bowl boys and they Is called that- him Brett like Steve Sarkeesian last <laughs> fall. Like I think we're really going to well. Oh, you lost by a worse margin to Texas than Miami lost to Florida State. Oklahoma got beat 49 to nothing. Brent Venables is a defensive coach. You went six. Like, if we're really going to try to split hairs as to who sucks more mm-hmm. right now, <laughs> Miami went five and seven, did not play in a bowl game, and again, Lost to Middle Tennessee State, and so if you like, if your dunk on Brent Venables is well, we only lost forty-five to three. I think that says a lot about your argument. Moreover, your pro- your football program, the program that you referred to as we, has won double-digit games in a season once in the last two decades. By the way, I think that sounds like a good segment to start. Who sucks more? What do you think? Put a little music behind the open. Who sucks more? I can get with it. All right. I don't know if anybody would sponsor that. We need that, a whole bunch of in-season features. We do. Uh, that Every Monday, you need to be angry about the, something. The Angry Old Man is brought to you by Shady Oaks Rest Home, you know, or something like that. Ortho Central Clip of the Day, ladies and gentlemen. Arbor House Assisted Living. Why not? Uh, I'm sure they'd be happy. Ortho Central, man. I need Ortho Central more and more at this age. 
clinics in Norman, Midwest City, now the new spot, the Tri-City location, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. The Orange Bowl boys. What did I tell you? Everybody has a podcast these days, and that's some of the quality. One of these dudes had the eyes of, like, a serial killer. I mean, they were just like, good Lord, man. So, anyway, there you go. Comparing... Miami and Mario being referred to as Superman is comically insane, says Zach from the 405. I agree, Zach. I agree. Okay, let's get to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Big Rick. Man, people people (laughs) took that personally. I just chummed the water, baby. You're going to need a bigger boat. People took that personal on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Miami homers must have forgotten Oh, you played Florida State in the same season. Mm-hmm. Miami has no arms or legs, by the way. No way they just referred to Miami as Superman, LMAO. <laughs> Patrick says Miami hasn't done anything in 20 years. Cherokee Sooner says Mule Shoe. Mule Shoe always sucks more. Okay. Yeah, well, he would be the perennial champion, there's no doubt. Zach from the 405 says Miami and Mario being referred to as Superman is comically insane. Big Rick Inawasa says, Miami did produce more murderers. Mm-hmm. And Kerry says, Miami didn't have half its team leave or graduate last year, so what's their excuse for being 5-7? and seven? And Sooner Co. Wetzel hits the nail on the head, too. Orange Bowl boys. I thought we were the real Orange Bowl boys. You know what? As Heisenberg said, you had GD writes. Oklahoma has owned the Orange Bowl over the years. There you go. Your brain just it did. It went. Had to, had the, to, uh, the, yeah, with the the Netflix the wheel was spinning. Timed out. It was like, dang, what happened, man? The wheel's spinning again. Okay, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. By so, the way, yes, Illinois just announced the hiring of Jim Leonard as a senior defensive analyst. An analyst? Yes, former future Oklahoma defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. Well, at least he's not going to SC. We don't need him out there. No, they got Buki. They're good. That's true. Buki and Alex Grinch, I can't think of a better. Uh, Buki's going to analyze things that Alex Grinch does. Did you see the video of their uh, want to talk about the blind leading the blind. Their defensive backs in the tackling drill? Yes, and Buki's getting hype <laughs> about a defensive back that missed a tackle. <laughs> The jokes write themselves. Oh, man. So, what about Plank saying that Muleshoe didn't want to be at uh, Pac-12 Media Days, and they had to talk him into it? Wait, wait, wait. Say this again? Plank had heard from good sources, because Plank had sources. Solid sources, not just, you know, made-up sources. We know this to be the case. Like Greg Swaim has made-up sources. We're talking about he has real sources that... Indicated that Muleshoe did not want to go to Pac-12 Media Day, said he had too much going on, and they made a special deal somehow for him to get there. I don't know what the special deal included, but maybe he knew, you know how scared he is of stuff, that somebody was going to ask him about Taylor Tatum or something. He'd have to answer that. Oh, my God. You know, I don't know. So, anyway. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Wait, Buki is really an analyst at USC? You have to be kidding. No. No, we're not kidding. He is a defensive analyst. 
or defensive GA, I guessed. I guess at uh, at USC under Alex Grinch. I like I I like Pookie. I don't have anything against yeah, him as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was quite polarizing as a player. He was. It's just comical, man. Who would be? Is there anybody? And I like Buki too. He was way overhyped. There's no doubt about it. Way overhyped coming out of high school. But is there anybody that you could answer that would be a more comical former Sooner defensive player as an analyst at USC? No. Trying to think. Uh, Buki is going to be hard to beat. I mean, Buki was a meme amongst this fan base. Well, for... he was a walking unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for you know. I remember the when they people went ape. You know what? After the it was the play in Bedlam, right, where they stopped a drive and he got called for unsportsmanlike conduct or a late hit or something like that. From the 918, I could analyze their defense. It sucks in all areas and is soft <laughs> as Charmin. Colin KC says, Buki is a perfect hire to teach those guys how to get personal fouls, yet not ever master the art of tackling. David from Norman says, Parker? Oh, this is completely off top. We'll get back to that one. I appreciate that text, David from Norman. Uh, from the 405, Speed D, the rate of speed a player at USC misses a tackle. Latrell McCutcheon, that's a good one. That's a good answer. Oh, Latrell yeah, McCutcheon. That's an excellent answer. Everybody's saying Latrell There you go. Uh, R.J. Washington. Perry on Winfrey with all the crap he talked about Mule Shoe. <laughs> yeah, watch him wind up out there. Perry on Winfrey, man. Jeez. I mean, R.J. Washington was a five-star, correct? Yeah, he was. Yeah, composite five-star? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was Oklahoma's last five-star defensive lineman prior to, well, I guess as of now, that's Oklahoma's last five-star defensive lineman, unless you count P.J. Atabari being an edge guy. Defensive analyst Brandon Crow. Brian in Tulsa says, are they literally bringing up tugging on Superman's cape talking about Miami? Yes. Miami can't even compare to the Penguin. They are horrible. Yeah, I remember the one in the uh, LSU game, which was completely out of frustration, but just ridiculous. The but, one that Buki got in the Peach Bowl. He got kicked out of the game, right? Yes, he got And, like, the second it happened, everybody was like, okay, well, you're ejected. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was there was no review necessary. That was on uh, was, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? It was on right? Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. Blatant, completely uncalled for. He God. didn't even have the ball. LSU could have scored 200 in that game if they wanted to. That's how sad it was. Patrick says, so USC has Buki, Muleshoe, Benny Wiley in the Kettlebells, and Clark Stroud. Nice. He called him Benny Pilates, too. But I, I, I like Benny Wiley and the Kettlebells because you can make that into a musical group. All right, we should break real quick. we got a ton of texts rolling in. Thank you very much. 405-651-3439. Interesting theory about why Brent Venables went off on – I don't think he really went off on Deion Sanders – Really, more than anything else, was talking about a philosophical difference and how they treated the situation. Um, But there is no doubt he came off the top rope on Mario Cristobal. Why? Well, somebody has a theory. I'll tell you who it is and what that theory is all about when we get back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. 
right, we have returned. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be an idiot when it comes to your vision. Don't be an American idiot or any kind of idiot because there's an answer. Dr. Bellardo and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center of Oklahoma, they've been the best in the business for over 20 years now. I've worked with them, and uh, they've done wonders for me. If you want to eliminate uh, reading glasses, you don't want to have to use the biggest text font size, uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be, you know, either farsighted or nearsighted. You can be like Superman. You can have eagle vision. You can be remarkable with your sights. If you get in contact with Dr. B and the uh, staff there at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center, you can call them up, 405-755-7700. Get a free consultation from Dr. Bellardo himself. Or you can go online to ALCOK.com. And uh, deal with the very best in the business, whether you need uh, lens replacement or maybe cataract surgery, they'll find out for you. They will do great work. They're the pros in the field, been doing it for over 20 years. They are the best, and like they always say there, if you want to see far and you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. All right, so I completely stole this from Plank. We all are looking for audio here to react to and talk about. Um, and, you know, create our own segments, too. But this was some of this. I, I thought this was a pretty good theory from Tom Fornelli. Are you a Tom Fornelli fan from the uh, Cover 3 podcast, CBS? They have Bud Elliott from uh, 247 Sports, Danny Cannell, biggest crybaby on uh, social media, and uh, Chip Henderson on there. And that what they were talking about was, are you taking the over and the under on some of these Big 12 teams? And they were talking about Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, Tom Fornelli said he was going to take the over. And he has a theory on why Brent was making some comments about Deion Sanders and Mario Cristobal. Here we go. Andrew mentioned it in the comments. He asked if we had any thoughts on Venables having some strong sound bites the last few weeks, like taking the shots at Dion and Mario. And based on what I know of Brent Venables, it's really not his kind of approach to be kind of brash and out there and cocky. The fact that he is, do we take that as a tip-off to how he feels about his team this year? Just say it. Maybe. Um, He's got to feel better than he did last year. right? I know, but I'm just saying, I think he feels like he's got something cooking this year. They almost beat the Knolls. Yeah. 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 that game flipped. With a bunch of backups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that game flips with like a couple different plays and vibes are maybe in different places for both of those teams. There you go. What do you make of the theory <laughs> that Brent Vittables is talking a little smack on uh, some of his fellow coaches? I, again, I don't think the Dion deal on a scale of one to 10 was about a two. The Cristobal deal was a good solid nine. But uh, what do you think of that theory that Brent knows he's got a much more talented, deeper roster and that Oklahoma is going to win more games this year? That's why he sounds off on the coaches. Man, I just – I. Just... <laughs> I'm kind of distracted right now because Chip Patterson's voice always yeah. sends me. I feel like we have to hear it again. That game flips. With a bunch of backups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game flips with like a couple different plays and vibes are maybe in different places for both of those teams. Sounds kind of like <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' cousin or something. I know, he? doesn't it? It's he got really does. very. It's got shades of Mahomes, that voice. But not in t- it's like It's like somewhere between Mahomes and a sock puppet. <laughs> i like that yeah well like i said anybody can have a podcast these days we know that but i mean those guys aren't bad but what do you think of uh fornelli's theory that bren is uh walking around with a little more swagger uh knowing that he's gonna have a better team and of I course mean, I, a cream puff schedule too yeah that that, that doesn't hurt 
I mean, look, I, I'm inclined to believe that, A, look, he never took a shot at Dion. He was just saying, Dion has his philosophy, I have mine. People drew their own inferences from Brent's comments and reacted accordingly. Um, I think with Cristobal in Miami, and we've discussed this, I believe we had a couple of guests on the program last week that kind of gave similar intonations, but I think with Cristobal in Miami and the beef therein, what it really boiled down to more than anything else was the battles that those two programs were having on the recruiting trail and Brent being upset about Miami's status as a very obvious, very brazen bag school. Does he also believe you think in your mind that there was some negative recruiting going on there? Perhaps. I don't I look, I won't claim to know all the ins and outs of the recruiting wars between Mario Cristobal and Brent Venables and well perhaps more accurately John Ruiz and Brent Venables. But if you're Brent Venables and what happened in the 2023 recruiting cycle is still fresh in your memory and you're at a place like Oklahoma that values culture and values camaraderie over just raw sheer talent then it's understandable that you would have a little bit of distaste for the schools that have stolen recruits from under your nose by virtue of the ridiculous amount of money that they've been willing to pay out to prospects such as those. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. 405-651-3439. Real quick, I just got a uh, text. Steely, you said you watched quarterback on Netflix. How do you rate the quarterback segments? Oh, okay. I think you know. I know what you're trying to say. Um, Quarterback, I have one episode left. Uh, The quarterback segments, definitely Kirk Cousins, number one. Uh, I thought his storyline was a lot more entertaining and more compelling with the Vikings having that great regular season, you know, the biggest comeback in NFL history against the Colts. Um, you know, and then losing the home playoff game to the uh, the Giants to end it all. But um, Patrick Mahomes would be number two, and a distant third would be Marcus Mariota's story because that was a snooze fest. But uh, definitely, I think, you know, and then you had Brittany and Jackson, of course, you know, playing their role. You didn't see a whole lot of Jackson. You saw a lot of Brittany. She's not that bad as I thought, but still annoying. And just seeing Jackson makes me mad in any video. But clearly, Kirk Cousins, I thought, came off very well. Seems like a great dude, a great dad. You know, I just, uh, I came out of that, uh, well, and again, I have one episode left, but I came out of that liking Kirk Cousins a lot more, no doubt. So I'd go Cousins 1, Mahomes 2, and uh, the Marcus Mariota story, again, there was nothing bad about it. It just I found that one super boring. So I don't feel like you can knock Kirk Cousins as a person. Kirk Cousins seems like a great dude, man. He, you know, as a dad and as a teammate, I just, you know, he's been maligned so many times throughout his career. And, you know, you like that. And, uh, you know, he got involved in some videos last year when they were having a great season. And uh, it, it's. It's worth watching, definitely. But I would clearly go the Kirk Cousins segments were the best, in my opinion. Kirk Cousins has kind of gotten a raw deal. 
because he's been the scapegoat for two franchises that haven't won anything in decades, regardless of who's been playing quarterback for them. I bet so. uh, our man Travis probably likes some Kirk Cousins. Yeah, obviously, you know, you're the quarterback. You end up being the figurehead for a lot of the fans' frustrations when things aren't going their team's way. But the and, and by the way, apparently the Washington Commanders are going to change their name again after the sale of the team is finalized. Possibility, so, yeah. Magic Johnson uh, is a minority owner now. So you go from Redskins to football team to commanders to Lord knows what in the span of what five years? Here's the problem. And look, I liked actually the Washington football team better than the commanders. But if it because one of the possibilities I heard was they go back to the Washington football team. Here's the issue, though. We don't need this to be Premier League soccer. You don't need like inner Dallas. The Washington or, football team. Yeah, or the... The Dallas Football Club, Dallas FC, you know, and I like Premier League soccer. I've learned to like it, but you really, know, we need a you're a soccer guy. now? I mean, I'm not a huge soccer He's guy. Getting soft in his old I'm age. I'm not a huge soccer guy, but I I will watch an Arsenal match here and there. I don't have as much time to to follow it as I used to, but yes, somewhat. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Let's get back to all of your texts coming up next. Four zero five six. Five one thirty four thirty nine. All right, stay right here. We've got a lot more text coming up in the next segment, right here on this Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune on the home of Sooner fans. All right, we are back. Our friends at Riverwind Casino. There's always something happening out there. Nearly three thousand electronic games now, brand new, refurbished, redesigned, renovated gaming floor, even more gaming areas. Best games, best bars and dining, the best hotel attached right there to the casino. It is big time, great service, great promotions. They also have all your favorite table games, including a great poker room. And we have shows at the Showplace Theater coming up this weekend. Collective Soul was last Friday. This Friday, we're looking ahead to Josh Turner at the Showplace Theater. Two comedy shows from Gabriel Iglesias. Also soon to come to the Showplace Theater, Dwight Yoakam, Counting Crows, REO Speedwagon, Chicago, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr. Foreigner's going to have a show out there. Rodney Carrington's got a couple shows out there. Aaron Lewis, Flatland Cavalry, Lee Bryce, Boys to Men. Uh, and, again, we also have another Beats and Bites show coming up. One more coming up on August 26th, and that'll be the Gary Allen Show. Also, the Jason Young Band will be there, and that'll be happening August 26th. You can get tickets for all of these shows online at riverwind.com or there at the casino Outside the Showplace Theater box office, don't forget to get out Friday and Saturday. Take part in the 60K double play and double winnings promotion. Preliminary drawing, 7 to 1130. You'll have a chance because they'll name two winners every half hour to win $400 in cash or $400 in bonus play. That's both Friday and Saturday night, 7 to 1130. And then grand prize drawings for two winners just before midnight, Friday and Saturday night. And they'll receive at least $1,000 cash or $1,000 in bonus play. Only at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's get as many texts in as we can to close out this first hour. Somebody from the 940 said, Parker, were you kidding about Jim Leonard being the next defensive coordinator? Yes, that was a joke. That goes back to March. For context, earlier in the program, I referred to new Illinois senior defensive analyst Jim Leonard as former future Oklahoma defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. 
That's because, back in March, a few fans on Twitter mistook Oklahoma athletic trainer Jeff Lau for Jim Leonard and began spreading the rumor that Jim Leonard was at one of Oklahoma's practices. And therefore, it was reasonable to conclude that he was going to be the next defensive coordinator at the University of Oklahoma. Back before we felt secure in the, in the uh, well, job security of Ted Roof in the three-man front. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the blame was last year. It was for Ted Roof or and the three-man front. So that's how we came up with Ted Roof and the three-man front. Party at the Palace, do we know anything about new visitors who's not coming? Uh, Nigel Smith's not coming, right? Nigel Smith is not coming. Uh, Braden Platt was coming, and now he's not coming. So I, What? Yeah, looking like looking more and more like James Nesta might be your only linebacker commit in the 2024 class for Oklahoma, which is fi- like they're fine with that if that's the case. They are perfectly okay with that. They're not making any more offers at the position. If they can swing Platt, then great. If they don't get him, they're cool with just James Nesta. Now, uh, beyond that, some of the party at the Palace names obviously include Andy Bass, the three-star athlete from up in at uh, Heritage Hall High School. We've got Oklahoma a lot City. of Andy Bass fans got, on the text well, line. And got a lot of questions about Andy Bass. Why wouldn't Oklahoma just target Andy Bass as a second quarterback? Well, to kind of go into a little bit of detail on that, first off, what you must understand about Andy Bass is he is a tremendous athlete, i.e., State champion in the 100 meters, six foot, 200 pounds, muscular as all get out. He's somebody with so much athletic potential that it really doesn't make sense to stick him into a backup quarterback role for four or five years, however long he's on campus. Because if you put him elsewhere, i.e., running back, slot receiver, You could even stick him on defense, though I don't think that's the plan right now for Andy Bass, at least as far as Oklahoma is concerned. You could stick him at a skill position, and he could morph into a starter for you. So it almost feels like a waste of talent if you're pigeonholing Andy Bass into a spot at quarterback. What also needs to be noted is that he does not have any P5 offers as a quarterback. Some of his Ivy League offers are as a QB but he is not considered a P5 quarterback prospect. He is considered a P5 athlete, whom a lot of schools are pursuing as a running back, a slot receiver, an offensive gadget player, what have you. All right, 405-651-3439. Looks like we've got a Boomer Doomer on the line. Ah, guy says, dude, sure seems like horrible news on play. Now there's another Boomer Doomer who's saying that the current coaching staff's in place. Where is it? If there's another losing season, will this coaching staff be in place for the SEC debut? Yes, I believe they will. Because, I, again, like, you can't, yeah, well, you can't overhaul a coaching staff in the midst of a move to the SEC. You have to have some continuity. Golly, but imagine going 6-7 and seven with that schedule, though. You know. By the way, and I thought uh, that uh, somebody was talking about, you know, taking shots at this staff a few days ago. Uh, it was late last week that uh, this coaching staff, you know, is, will they be able to do anything with their talent? You know, I certainly have my doubts. Well, remember Bob's first year. What did they finish? Seven and six, I believe. Seven and six, right? Or maybe they were playing an 11-game regular season. Anyway, they, they were lose. seven and five. They they lost to uh, Ole Miss in the uh, Independence Bowl, right? But they led in every game. 
So they could have closed out more of those games. But guess what? The next season, they got the natty. They were unbelievable. Now, is this Oklahoma team near that caliber? No. Doesn't look like it. At least not now. They've got some great young talent coming in, no question. But, again, with this schedule, you should go out and win 10 games. Like I said, bottom line for me, like the absolute floor would be 9-3. and three. You, you need to be able to take care of business and have a really good bounce-back season because the football gods have given you the schedule to ju- do just that. You just got to go play better football. From the 708, personally, I'd go to Harvard to play quarterback and pick me up a rich lawyer wife. <laughs> well... You know, there you go. Is he talking about Zerbrug? No, he's talking about Andy Bass. Oh, Andy Bass? Is he? Uh, wow. Ivy League material, too, huh? Yeah, he's got several Ivy League offers to play quarterback. Well, he's from a private school, right? Yes. Heritage Hall. Heritage Hall. So, yeah. Private school kids, they uh, they can usually go to the Ivy League. Todd Bates Nemesis says, better beat Texas after last year's embarrassment. Yeah, well, that is good for your shelf life as the head coach of the University of Oklahoma is to beat Texas because those that don't don't have a very long shelf life. Gary Gibbs. I mean, yeah, when Gary Gibbs lost in some horrible ways. I mean, it was literally Lucy and Charlie Brown. You know, with Gary Gibbs in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. And I remember being down there going, they just, how did they lose again? You know, but um, Bud Wilkinson, late in his tenure, started losing to his old player, Daryl Royal, and wasn't long before Bud was gone. Now, he wasn't fired, obviously. He wouldn't fire Bud Wilkinson. But still, beating Texas is one of the requirements of your job. You better win more than you lose. Okay, want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 651 I'm sorry, 405-579-3113. Last year, Home Comfort Systems, they'll address all of your heating and air needs you need to take care of. They'll do a great job for you. Thank you, Tim Lasher and your company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We still have another hour to go. Keep it here. We're talking here. We are talking here. Welcome back. Hour number two. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios on a Tuesday. What is it, about 172 degrees out outside right now? I'm it's hot. 97 and windy. It's hot. Golly. You know, it was the late Jim Morris who once said um, on the concert stage, quotes, I'm going to go ahead and get my kicks before the whole boop house goes up in flames. And I think we are moving closer to the whole boop house going up in flames. Won't be long. You know what it reminds me of, honestly, this heat? Reminds me of the brief time I spent out in Albuquerque last summer with Travis Davidson. I heard Albuquerque was a dry heat. Or is it? No, yeah, it's a dry heat. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this feels like. It it feels like you're stepping outside into an oven. Ah, It's ridiculous. By the way, I started watching Breaking Bad nice what do you think so far what season you in it's unique i'll say that much i'm through season one i'm on into season two right now me and the fiance get ready it's going to be awesome just saying and i am watching blacklist because you there we go you said watch blacklist look at at us taking recommendations from one another here's the deal though on blacklist 
it's one of those you have like how many seasons? Like nine? Ten. Ten seasons. Okay. It takes a while to get through. We are at the end of season one, get towards the end of season one. Nice, nice. And when you have a show like that, because I thought, you know what? I told Shay, I'm hearing a lot. I've heard a lot about Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Oh, no. So we went to Yellow Jackets. We still like. You're getting distracted, aren't it's you? It's kind of like you have a really good reliever coming out of the bullpen that you can go to. But we want to go to Yellow Jackets and get through. I think there are two seasons of Yellow Jackets on Showtime. You know, it's so ridiculous. We literally have every streaming service now. It's it's like ridiculous. And we still it's almost like remember when you initially got cable TV and like, man, they're like seventy channels. We'll never get bored again ever. And then like two years later, oh my gosh, they're only seventy channels. And then you think, all right, you get nine million channels and you still get bored, right? Eventually you hit the boredom wall. And you think, well, streaming. Let's get, we'll just start with Netflix. All right. No, 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 no. I know, I know it's going to, yeah, no, we'll start with Netflix. We'll just stop it. Maybe one other one. Maybe we'll go Hulu. Eh, why don't we throw in Amazon Prime too? Yeah, we can do that. Paramount Plus, hey, I hear Paramount Plus has some good stuff. Showtime. Yes, you can get Showtime. It's only, yeah, okay. Then the next thing you know, you have 50 streaming services too. And that's basically where we are. But Yellow Jackets is pretty good so far. Pretty good. But I will say so far, I have liked what I've seen out of the blacklist. James Spader is always creepy, weirdly good. Creepy, weirdly good, huh? Mm-hmm. Kind of like even when, even as Robert California in The Office, you know, the movies yeah, that no, he was Robert in. Robert California was just creepy. Yes, but- but and he had to follow Michael Scott. That's tough. Raymond Reddington is just diabolical mm-hmm. in a very unique, almost comic sort of way. They have to run out of names for these people too, like like you know the Stew Maker. That dude was super creepy. Remember the Stew? Oh, I remember the Stew Maker. But, I mean, do they run out of names eventually, like in the ninth season? I mean, you can only have so many nicknames for these creepy people. But it's pretty good. 405-651-3439. Anybody out there watching Yellow Jackets? If you watch Yellow Jackets, pretty good. Yeah, and then you have to watch Better Call Saul. So you have another show to watch after Breaking Bad, the Breaking Bad spinoff, which some people think is actually better than Breaking Bad. They're both great. It's like picking between Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. Godfather 2 for me personally, but they're really close. Okay, 405-651-3439. Real quick, uh, more from the guys on the Cover 3 podcast. They were talking about the uh, over and unders on the win totals for Big 12 teams. The Sooners at nine, nine and a half. They took the over because of the schedule. Uh, Tom Fornelli, Bud Elliott, Danny Cannell, Chip Henderson were on this uh, podcast, the Cover 3 podcast. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with it. But uh, they threw out this about what would happen if the Sooners quarterback situation went this way. Here's what he said. I like something that Danny mentioned uh, several weeks ago where just sort of in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, so Dylan Gabriel's got injury history. What if Jackson Arnold comes in and is the truth? That's yeah. Dylan, I'm not sure Gabriel's getting his job back if Jackson Arnold comes Same. in. Same. Like Wally um, Pipped. I mean, that – yeah that could absolutely happen and he could come in and take it by fire. And then you're just different. 
different feeling about Oklahoma football, both for the immediate and long range, if uh, if it does end up being that kind of storyline. So they're already Wally Pipping Dylan Gabriel. Are, are, are we going to sit here and say Dylan Gabriel has injury history? I mean, I guess in a certain sense that's true. But can we stop acting like Dylan Gabriel is Luke old aches and pains appling or something? <laughs> nice Luke appling reference. I wasn't expecting that. Nice. I'm a bit of a baseball historian. But, like, seriously, Dylan Gabriel separated a shoulder in 2021 and then got maliciously speared by Jamoy Hodge yes. last year and missed six quarters, well, which that, all in all is pretty remarkable. That is an injury history, yes, but the Jamoy Hodge hit was clearly one of the punkiest hits of all time. Yes, but we're going to act like Dylan Gabriel is injury-prone like all you got to do is all, all he's got to do is sneeze the wrong way, like Sammy Sosa back in the day, and he's on the disabled list, or sorry, injured list. I guess a disabled list is a term from a past life. Okay, in that scenario, let's say something did happen to Dylan Gabriel, like in the SMU game, and Jackson Arnold comes in and lights it up. Now they're right. Would that be a better they're situation right. for the Sooners going into the SEC when you got Jackson Arnold, who started like nine games and they win, or ten games plus, and they go eleven and two or something, and then you've got Jackson Arnold with all those games under his belt. Now nobody's wishing that situation on Dylan Gabriel, but clearly the plan is that um, you know you. Uh, you hope Dylan Gabriel has a good year. Last year, he, was, he wasn't the issue. He can play better, yes. But if he steps up his game, uh, you know, makes more big plays on third and fourth down, is more accurate, he could have a really, really good season. I mean, his numbers were the best in the Big 12. Like I said, people are raving about Quinn Ewers, but his numbers, he kicked Quinn Ewers' ass in every category. Say it again. He kicked Quinn Ewers' ass in every category, statistically. So... But, you know, the Texas hype. But, um, and what would that do? We also talked about another scenario. What if Dylan Gabriel has a great year and the Sooners are on the doorstep? Maybe Oklahoma gets to a New Year's Six Bowl game or maybe they even get to a, a playoff semifinal and, you, and lose. And Dylan Gabriel still has a year left. What if he came back? What if he's, he, what, he's probably what, grad transferring at that point? You think so? Yeah, because I like you're gonna if if Gabriel gets injured midseason and Jackson Arnold comes in and carries the team. Oh yeah, in that scenario, yes. I was talking about the other scenario. If they got if he had a great year and somehow they got to the semifinal. If Gabriel had a great year, if Gabriel had a great year, he's probably off to the NFL. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. This quarterback class coming up in the NFL draft is not going to be nearly as deep. And nearly as talented on the top end, in my mind, as the class we had a year ago. Caleb Williams and Drake May are kind of the two that stand out above the rest. But after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Riley Leonard, I know there are some folks that like him, and he can play some ball. Tyler Van Dyke's a decent prospect right now. Uh, Spencer Rattler, obviously, if he can catch lightning in a bottle again, could put himself in the first-round conversation. But... And then you throw in Bo Nix and Michael Penix, and there's a lot of guys that have potential to elevate themselves as draft prospects. 
Dylan Gabriel's always going to have a limited ceiling in terms of his draft stock because of, well, his limited ceiling, mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah. The stature conversation. That said, if he has a really productive season at Oklahoma, stays healthy for all 13 games, silences some of the doubters, then he's probably going to cash his chips in at the end of the year. At that point, you've been starting at the collegiate level for five seasons, and you've done about all there is to do. I agree. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Kevin from the 469, it's happened before, 1985, Aikman to Holloway. Yeah, I was there that day. I remember Troy Aikman had his leg broken by the late grade Jerome Brown. Jamel Holloway came in, that Miami team with Testaverde and uh, Michael Urban and Jerome Brown. It was a great Miami team, obviously. Uh, came to Norman and won. But Jamel Holloway came in, back to the bone. They were running some bone again. In fact, Troy Aikman had a couple long runs in that day, on that day as well. But Jamel Holloway became, you know, a great wishbone quarterback, leading the Sooners to the national championship, that Miami team. Uh, it was so great. They showed up in fatigues and got off the plane, you know, going to – going to combat against Penn State, and they lost to Joe Pond, Penn State, out there in the Fiesta Bowl. Sooners win the national championship, and uh, Troy Aikman winds up at UCLA. I remember Switzer telling the story that uh, he called uh, Terry Donahue, who was the coach at UCLA, hey, i got to play better Jim Everett here on my roster right now, because everybody was talking about Jim Everett at Purdue. And Troy ends up being the uh, number one draft pick in the, what was it, the 80, was it the 88 draft? It was... Troy, it was 1989. Tony Mandarich, Barry Sanders. The Packers had a chance to get Barry Sanders, and they went for the human steroid machine, Tony Mandarich. So, but yeah, good point, Kevin. Good recall. All right, you want to get some more, Parker? Do we have time? Do you want to take a quick break and get to a bunch? Sooner Soldier says, I've seen those NFL combines, and DG just can't do those throws like most. I... And I hear what you're saying, Sooner Soldier. There's truth to what you're saying. But also, the throws that get made at NFL Combines are not at all indicative of the type of player a guy has the potential to be at the next level. If that were the case, Zach Wilson would have just signed a $300 million contract instead of getting benched in favor of 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Because we all like we all remember Zach Wilson's pro day, right, where he was sending jaws to the floor with these off-platform shots that he was taking downfield and Zach Wilson's pro day was what made him a top three NFL draft pick that's really what it was it's all too easy to get caught up in the hype pro day but more often than not I feel as though plenty of NFL teams are going to be willing to bet more and you'll get a Josh Allen every now and again a guy that doesn't produce at the collegiate level but just has the athletic tools uh, that you can develop him into a long-term upper echelon NFL starter. But more often than not, teams are going to gravitate towards guys that have produced and been consistent at the collegiate level, even if they don't have superb arm talent over the guy that can fling it 85 yards but is kind of a loose cannon from the pocket. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just thinking, oh, yeah. Zach Wilson. I tell you what about old Zach Wilson. Now played for the BYU Cougars, right? And was also on the hunt for Cougars, if you know what I mean. I heard some tawdry stories from the Cougar department. 
You know what I'm saying? Which Cougar department? It was uh, both. All right. It was uh, 918 says it was Tennessee. Okay, which year did I get confused? Uh, Steely was – yeah, I think I think you guys are right. What was the Penn State Orange Bowl loss tied to? Or the Orange – the Penn State when Shane Conlon had the interception. So, Tennessee – yeah, that makes sense. I think it was Tennessee's victory in the Sugar Bowl over Miami that year for good, 85. Good question on the text line from Colin Casey. We'll get to it on the other side of the break. Sounds but good. I want to throw it your way. All right. We are right here on the Home Sooner Fans. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, the uh, Ref Radio Network. Keep it here. We shall return. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Tuesday where it's about, uh, it's approaching 100 degrees again today. The old man can't uh, get out uh, in this weather for more than like five minutes or uh, there's going to be an ambulance headed his way. I can tell you that. That's why I'm going home to air conditioning and I'm going to sit in air conditioning the rest of the day. Leading the sedentary lifestyle that I lead. Very sedentary. Okay, uh, real quick, right before we go back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. We have said uh, good chance, uh, decent chance, or no chance. I want to play a different game. Leader in the hunt, no shots. Okay. So for OU, obviously, leader... Are they the leader in the hunt or no shot? Uh, with some of the big targets that are still out there, the Sooners did get the uh, commitment from Eugene Brooks, the uh, offensive lineman from California today. So they have 16 total commitments. That moves them up in uh, the rankings for 247 and on-3. They're both at number 15 now. Okay. Williams Winery. Leader. David Stone. Leader. Caden Durham. Leader. Nigel Smith. Leader. Michael Patterson McDonald. Leader. Michael Boganowski. Leader. Zena Omazulu. Leader. Grant Bricks. Leader. Anybody else that I'm leaving out there? I think that's all of them that we said Stone, Winery, Durham, Michael Patterson, uh, Devin Jordan. In the hunt. And Braden Platt? In the hunt. So if Oklahoma adds Stone, Winery, Durham, Smith, Omazulu, we forgot Eli Bowen they're going to add, right, at some point. Michael, Michael Patterson McDonald, you are looking at a top five class, clearly. Oh, nope. boy. Doug and Norman has been fed misinformation. Uh-oh, here we go. Doug and Norman sent this long text that says, so let's talk about Northwestern quarterback as someone who could provide depth down the road and maybe contend for a starter's role in a couple of years. My research indicates that Northwestern currently has seven quarterbacks, and he's not listed in any publication or recruitment service, which makes him at least eighth string on a 1-11 team. Sounds a lot like your hype before last year on Davis Bevel when he transferred in. And please talk more on the outstanding culture that Coach Venables is establishing. OU looks good in their new suits, and they all say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and they were six and seven. Lincoln Riley coached a group of misfits from four and eight to eleven and two. So keep bad mouthing the USC culture because that is your K ref narrative. First off, Doug, Brendan Zerbrug doesn't currently play at Northwestern. What happened to Doug? He is committed to Northwestern. Yes, he was right. Not on the roster, was committed to Northwestern. 
is still committed to Northwestern mm-hmm. in all technicality. But the reason he's yeah. not listed in any of your publications, Doug, is because he's a class of 2024 quarterback prospect, not a current quarterback on the roster at Northwestern. Regarding the USC culture, I don't know, Doug. I guess Doug woke up a little crankier than usual today. Hey, I wake up cranky pretty much I every know, day. You did yesterday. Pretty much every day I wake up cranky. <laughs> Somebody from the 580 said, shut the hell up, Doug. Uh, I do want to get to a text, though, from Colin KC that allows you the opportunity to educate us all. Because as anyone who listens to this show knows, you, Steely, are really old. Yes, right, right. Yes. Much older than the majority of us. So, Colin KC. You said that so matter of fact. You, Steely, are really old. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Col- Colin KC on the text line says, Steely, I was nine months old when the 2000 season started. I, w- I would have been a year and a half. Year and a half old. What was the hype like going into that season? I know we were like 19th in the preseason rankings and people were fired up, but from someone who was there, Mm -hmm. what was it like? Uh, There was excitement again because there had been some dark days, man, through uh, Schnellenberger into Blake. I mean, the Sooner football program was in a very deep, not fun valley to be in. Like I said, I can still remember Oklahoma fans cursing at Glenn Mason, the former Kansas coach, walking off the field because they felt he ran up the score on OU in Norman, the head coach at Kansas. So there was excitement. There was excitement. Um, You know, nobody expected a national championship in year two, but, uh, you know, that red October stretch they had, people started getting super excited, and it was – You know, it was a celebration, man, after that because OU football was clearly back. And they were were headed in the right direction after the first year when Bob won seven. But that 2000 team was certainly special. Great defense, too. I mean, Florida State was an offensive machine. And you can say, well, they didn't have Snoop Menace in the the bowl game, the Orange Bowl, who was a great receiver for them. But they still had the Heisman Trophy winner and some really good players. And they should have been shut out by that Oklahoma defense. So... And people are telling me, yeah, it was Tennessee that year. Sorry, old man problems right there. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how the Penn State victory out in that Fiesta Bowl when Testaverde threw five picks, I believe it was, four or five picks was significant. Um, Trying to recall. But, yeah, it was Tennessee. That's right. So the Sooners needed some help to win that uh, the 85 championship, a little bit of help. But that 85 team was special, too. From the 936, Steely is not old. He's younger than me. Old in comparison to, you know, here. I'm the Methuselah of this place. 588 says, guys talking about the 2000 championship season like indoor plumbing and the automobile weren't invented yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Sooner Todd says, Doug and Steelman must be twins. They're both cranky. I, you know, I, I told TJ today, I said, man, you know what? I get pushed over the edge very easily. If your breaking point is a 10, I wake up at a 9. So it just takes a little thing, like Elon Musk messing with Twitter again, and I go over the edge. That's why they're coming to take me away. Kyle from Shawnee says, I was four in 2000. I hope to see another OU football championship before I die. Well, if you don't, there could be some big problems, Kyle. I'm the one who should be worried about that, right? A listener in the 405 simply says, get rid of Doug. 
We're not going to get rid of Doug. Doug, while a noted contrarian at times mm-hmm. on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, is also, somewhat surprisingly, a very nice human being when you encounter him in person. A good, solid human, yes. But, uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, the man uh, fought for his country, so you got to respect that. Do you have, uh, did you ever have a contrarian friend that, I mean, an ultra con- contrarian? Like anything you said was disagreed with or met with another question. You can only take so much of a contrarian is all I'm saying. And you may really like the contrarian, you know, may have done good things for your family or whatever. That's great. But sometimes you're just like, ah, he's going, oh, not tonight. I can't take him tonight. There's too much going on. I don't need dinner with the contrarian. Have you had one of those friends? I've had a few of those friends. How do you deal with a contrarian? You just kind of have to... You ever cut a contrarian from the uh, from the fam? Not from the no, real family, I, I mean, but... No. No, you just kind of have to understand that it's baked into the pie when you choose to befriend them. But sometimes you can develop a distaste for a certain kind of pie that you liked initially, right? I or suppose. can you? I suppose. As long as you understand that their motivations aren't malicious. The contrarian is good in moderation. Yeah, kind of exactly. like stuff that's bad for you. A listener in the 580 says, Doug and Norman wants to be Clark Stroud so bad. No, Clark Stroud, I mean, he's an enemy of the state. Doug is not an enemy of the state. Doug just has differing opinions and likes certain questions answered, wants to make sure that we're not 100% Crimson Kool-Aid all the time. 588 says, can we at least start a GoFundMe to try and place Doug with another station and see what comes in? Jeez. 405-651-3439. The text line has declared war on Doug. Oh, no. So Doug was looking for the kid on the Northwestern roster, so he did decipher that he was the eight-string quarterback. I mean, at least maybe one of us slipped up and said this kid from Northwestern, and it would have been me, obviously. I'm the slip-up guy. But he's he is committed to Northwestern, but it doesn't look like he's going to be there because right now Northwestern, one of the finest uh, academic institutions in this country, has turned into – what was the Delta? Was it the uh, just the Delta House and uh, an Animal House? I'm trying to remember. I mean, it's, I don't know. I've never seen Animal House. There is. That's right. It's older reference went straight over his head, ladies and gentlemen. Re- animal House is required viewing. All right, you have to go back at some point in your life and experience Animal House. What am I in for? Sheer fun. Okay, I can get down with sheer fun. Good stuff. It's it's still uh, it still holds up. All right, you'll like it. Take a break right here. Oh yeah, how about that? Usually you get excited about Van Halen guitars, but keyboards worked here. Very nice. I still remember this was the uh, Cubs music on WGN for about two seasons. Their opening music way back in the Harry Steve Stone days. All right, take a break, coming back, and more sound, more text on the way next here on The Ref. Yes, sir, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Tuesday edition, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, 
show called Seal Man and Thune here on the uh, Ref Radio Network. We're going to get uh, locked in coming up at the top of the hour. Okay, uh, so I went into the uh, production room, and uh, TJ's in there watching a Stephen A. Smith video. And I'm like, what's that all about? Stephen A. Smith? Well, apparently he— TJ and- is enabling Stephen A. I, Smith? I was surprised myself. I was very surprised. But apparently there is a uh, little battle going on between Dan Lebetard and Stephen A. Smith. Oh, interesting. Dan Lebetard saying that journalism is dead because of shows like First Take, which— I would probably side with Levitard, you know, but Stephen A. Smith is clapping back and saying that it's just evolved. I'm still a journalist. So, but here's a, here's a movie recommendation for you. All right, kids, 1976. All right, way back, but this is a good movie. It foretold the future. There is a movie called Network. All right. I believe it was 1976. And there is a character in this movie who is a news anchor who basically loses his mind, has a vision, and gets on the news set the next night after this experience that he has and basically has a nervous breakdown and yells and screams at the audience, tells them they're stupid, what they need to be looking for, and basically foretold the future because that basically works on Twitter now. And basically it was a harbinger of things to come because this guy became his name was howard beale he became the most you know and their ratings were like in the dumps and this producer thought man this is great you know at first they were freaked out but everybody was calling and screaming and they were agreeing with him and they found out that this guy who should have been at a mental institution basically became the most popular face on television by the way, I just... And that is what's happened with social media. If I you just, yell and scream or go crazy, you need to see that movie, by the way. 1976 Network, with your journalism background and growing up wanting to be a journalist, it's it's hauntingly, you know, really, really creepy. Kind of how, like, man, that's pretty much a lot of it came true. I looked up the movie, Steely. It was released in the year 1976. I don't know how you remember this stuff. I couldn't remember that. It never that, ceases uh, to amaze me. It was Tennessee that beat uh, Miami in that game, not Penn State, that gave the Sooners that championship. But I'm telling you, I'm serious. If you're into journalism and, you know, that movie is, what, 24, 47 years old? Great performance by Peter Finch, too. And it is, like I said, this guy, by yelling and screaming, became the most popular man on television. And those who yell and scream and put out some of the zaniest theories out there on Twitter, most of those people get a ton of responses because our society is 98% stupid. I need context for this comment, Steve. Okay. Parker is Chip Diller in Animal House. Just uh, Google up the image of Chip Diller was kind of the guy who didn't want to party. That was kind of this straight-laced guy. Okay, I'll take Good it. guy, but very, very morally sound compared to the other uh, immoral characters in Animal House. A listener in the 405 hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line to say, We need to keep Doug. Every civilization needs a village idiot. (laughs) Doug is not an idiot, okay? He's a contrarian. I agree. But Doug is not an idiot. From the 715, I think Doug is good for this station. Every team needs a person to keep things level-headed. 
You got it, grill boy. Travis has seen it, or at least he's seen a clip. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So he kept yelling into the camera at first. So good. Doug and Norman followed up and said, Parker, I looked through all the recruiting service rankings, as I stated in my original text, and did not find your Northwestern commit in the top 300 in any service. Thank you for the kind defense of my character. Well, you're welcome, Doug. Uh, yeah, Brendan Zerbrug is not a top 300 player nationally. You even said are, you look at the tape and it's... Eh. Well, it's three-star tape. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's a good player. He's not an extraordinary player. You can see why he's got some B5 offers, but you can also see why he's not a household name. There's some work to be done. Again, you're not bringing him in with the expectation that you're going to need him to run a P5 offense as a true freshman. But it is possible to find capable college football players from outside the national top 300 in recruiting. EJ from Louisiana says, changing the subject. To see OU line up with 300-pound defensive linemen is going to be game-changing. Yeah, yeah, Alex Grinch had uh, had a limit, right? 295, is that it? 295, not an ounce more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, and I'm telling you, Jonah Lolu is up to what now? He's, I know he's, he's 293, I 293 believe. 293 for, is what he the, said. Pushing the Grinch limit there, but. I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting. And again, they did get Eugene Brooks today. B.J. Brooks, the offensive lineman from California, six three three twenty. And it looks like you need more on the interior defensive line, but you can't have enough there. And you got Jaden Jackson right recently, but you're hoping to get David Stone, a Nigel Smith. When Aries an edge guy, but any of those great defensive line players. And you hope to add one or two more on the O line, would you think? Yeah, I believe Josh Isosa is gonna who's he's he's a three hundred bounder interior guy as well. I expect him to join Oklahoma's class on August fourteenth. And the other I mean the other target, the other major target for Oklahoma right now on the offensive line is Grant Bricks. And that's really the ride or die plan right now is get Isosa and Throw the kitchen sink at Bricks. And if you don't get Bricks, if he goes to Kansas State or Nebraska, well then, probably going to make some additional late offers because you're going to have to find another offensive lineman to add to this class. But if Bricks wants to come, I mean, that's, you, you call it good there. That's a very strong offensive line class if you get Autry, Brooks, Iasosa, and Grant Bricks. Sounds pretty good to me. Sounds pretty, pretty, pretty good. And again, with the addition of Brooks today, the Sooners in uh, 247 and on three moved up to number 15 in the uh, national recruiting ranking. So Oklahoma again continues uh, its ascension up the team rankings uh, lists. And uh, again, that's with a lot of uh, big time prospects still out there that the Sooners look to be leading on right now. All right, break time. I'm going to try and see if I can cut during the commercial break that Howard Beal seal a scene from network, which is about 50 seconds, but it foretold the future because basically that's what TV and that's what social media became crazy people. I'll see if I can do that during the break. Let's see if the old man can get it done. All right. Stay with us here on, uh, 
the home Sooner fans on a Tuesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Break time right here. One more segment to go. We're going to get locked in here in about 15 minutes with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. We shall return right here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. We have one more segment to go. I want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino as always. Big show coming up on Friday, Josh Turner. They also have two shows from Gabriel Iglesias coming up on Saturday. Josh Turner at the Showplace Theater again on Friday. And then on Saturday, two comedy shows from uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Later, we have uh, shows at the Showplace from Dwight Yoakam, Counting Crows, REO Speedwagon, Chicago, uh, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr, Foreigner, Rodney Carrington with a couple shows here in Lewis, Flatland Cavalry, Lee Bryce, Boys to Men. Uh, a lot of great shows happening, again, at the Showplace Theater. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com or get your tickets uh, at the Showplace Theater box office there inside the casino. And don't forget, we have one more Beats and Bites show. Gary Allen, also with the uh, Jason Young Band, August 26th, outdoors on the Coupale Works uh, Beats and Bites stage. Uh, outdoors at Riverwind Casino. Remember, tickets for the Beats and Bites shows are only 10 bucks a piece. Kids under 12 get in free. Great local food trucks, games for the kids, arts and crafts, a great time with some great music outdoors with Gary Allen on the Beats and Bites uh, stage August 26th. And again, you can get your tickets there at riverwind.com and at the casino box office as well. We appreciate our friends at Riverwind. All right, so we were talking about uh, this Dan Levitard uh, and Stephen A. Smith um, back and forth. Dan Lebetard said uh, apparently that shows like uh, First Take have ruined journalism. There is no more journalism after shows like First Take. I kind of side with Dan Lebetard. But um, so I was thinking if you're as old as me, there was a movie in 1976. Great, great, great movie that was well ahead of its time. It basically foretold a lot of what we see now on social media and in television. It was called Network. Peter Finch played a character... Uh, Howard Beale, a news anchor at a fledgling network that went crazy on the air one night and then later became the biggest hit in television. This is how it all started out. And this kind of sounds like social media, doesn't it? Here we go. Thank you, Howard. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God, my life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window. 
open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And uh, that scene went on and then everybody went to their window and started yelling, I'm as mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. And Howard Beale called. it was now, now the news with Howard Beale, the mad prophet of the airwaves. And that was the national newscast. And it's a little bit like what our society is now. You have maniacs screaming in the TV. And you have uh, people on Twitter who say the craziest, loudest things because it gets engagement. And people buy into conspiracy theories on either side. In many ways, that's how you get attention now. Particularly when you got 9 million people who have podcasts and, you know, more than that, that have Twitter accounts. But the more you scream, the crazier you are. That's kind of how you get of attention, right? It's a really good movie, and that's that's the same portion of it right there. He really goes it, – it is so great. Jeez, that movie was 40 years ahead of its time. I'm telling you, and it was – I look back and like, man, they pretty much got it right. They 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 nailed it. It's Cody what, from the four hundred five says this is beautiful. I got to see this. It's it's a good movie. I if you have a chance to get it on one of your uh, services, uh, the movie is Network from nineteen seventy six. And of course, I won't try and give away too much. But basically, Howard Beale, that character became the most most powerful man on television until he wasn't. And then we'll see where it goes from there. If you want to see it, but I highly recommend it. Anyway, all right, sorry to jump away from sports for a minute, but the big story today, obviously, is the commitment of Eugene Brooks for Oklahoma pushing the Sooners' total up to 16 today. First interior offensive line commit of the 2024 cycle for Oklahoma. As you mentioned, Steely, the 16th overall commit in the class, and more momentum to be had for Oklahoma as we start to turn the calendar from July to August. Got Michael Patterson-McDonald's decision coming next Monday. That could put a bow on what has been a major boom in the month of July for the Sooners on the recruiting trail and could set the table for what could be an even more impactful August when you think about decision timelines and potential decision timelines for guys like Williams Nwaneri and David Stone, um, Nigel Smith announcing September 8th, Braden Platt announcing September 4th, and then obviously decisions supposedly forthcoming within the next few weeks for guys like Grant Bricks. Uh, you got Josh Iasosa on August 14th, uh, and then you just kind of waiting on whenever Eli Bowen decides he's going to be done with the process. Christy, did you see the news, the breaking news about Aaron Hernandez's brother? My goodness, I did not. Did you see anything yeah, on that? Yeah, I guess he got arrested because they suspected that he was planning mass shootings or something. Oh, my gosh. Gee, many Christmas. Holy cow. Well, thank God they, they caught the guy. You know, I'm sure that's alleged right now, but whole, there it is. Yeah, DJ Hernandez. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Christy, for calling that to my attention. What a crazy world we live in. What a crazy, crazy, I think it's a crazy-ass world we live in, actually. Are you mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore? I am mad. I could be, you know. Sometimes, yes, I am Howard Beale in that moment. But that was tame Howard Beale. Then, because everybody thought, yeah, this guy's great. And then, holy cow, this guy's crazy. Wait, so that wasn't crazy Howard Beale? That was was on the crazy scale at about a three or four. Wow. 
So Sounds like an interesting movie. It is an interesting movie. All right. I uh, want to thank everybody for all your great texts today. We're going to get locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas here in just a minute. And great texts, as usual, in the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Keep them rolling in. want to thank uh, Dr. Bellardo and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center of Oklahoma. And a special thank you to our friends, Justin and company, over at Riverwind Casino. Can't wait to get out there again on Friday. Don't forget another great show at the Showplace Theater Friday night. The music of Josh Turner. And then two great shows from Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian, coming up on Saturday. We'll tell you more about what's happening at Riverwind uh, tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. But there's always something great happening. I can tell you that. Everybody have a terrific Tuesday. Locked in. Coming up next.